I say a little prayer for you. Every time I pray, which is never, I never ever pray. <laughs> but on Halloween, Koa got Jesus material handed to him. Oh my God, him. wait. Okay, can you see me? You see my, by the way, you see my microphone going? Mm-hmm. And it all looks okay? Yeah, it's bringing um, okay, the noise. I spent an fun. incredible All Hallows' Eve at the Poznowski family. And um, what a damn treat. What? Thank you. I'm trying to open Google Chrome. I'm just... Why are you doing that? Oh, because eventually I'll need to read a story connected to it. <laughs> Let me explain how this podcast works. I learned something about myself, which is I'm a competitive trick-or-treater. Carrie wanted all the candy, and she was frustrated that I, I wanted frustrated. none of the candy. I wasn't frustrated. You wanted a, you wanted a, you know what? I wanted, you wanted to win. a contestant, though, that you could man. Maybe I, mean, next I wanted I'll a Manchurian candidate. Is that I'll how it works? i go with Griff, and you can go with Koa next time. No, but you and Koa... See, no, no, no. I think you and Koa are two peas in a pod. Like, Koa... Doesn't need to go to every house. Does not need to go to every house. For nope. me, if, like, I, I think, too, because my mom... Mm-hmm. Shout out to my mom. Shout out. Is, like, my mom... She When she grew up, she talks about how they would, like... Her mom, my grandma... They would, she would send the kids out. My grandma probably like chain smoking and then giving out, you know, candy at her front door. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is, is my mom would like go out with her friends or her siblings, fill up a pillowcase, come home. That's how we did it. We always had a pillowcase. That's how we stored our candy. I know. I think it's very greedy. You know what? Fucking chill. Whoa. I feel like a lot of judgment from you. No, actually, moment. I used a pillowcase too now that I think about it. It feels like it's like less I was greedy. More like a tote is pretentious, frankly. I thought it was cute that, that my cats had buckets, but very quickly I was like, this is so dumb. Because <laughs> like, they did. They filled the bucket and then had to dump so it somewhere but it and then refill real, the bucket. Like, then like, did, they didn't know they didn't want to dump the bucket because like, where's all my candy going to go? Like, There was a lot of you know fear in that way. But... So what would happen is we'd take a uh, pillowcase, we'd get all the candy, we'd come back, my mom would have a bucket, and she'd be like, dump it. You'd dump it, and then you'd go back out and get more. And like, her mom did it. My grandmother did it with my mother. My mother did it with me. And then here I am, Aunt Carrie. I'm like with Koa, and I'm like, Koa, I know your parents don't love you to have chocolate, but Aunt Carrie is here, and Aunt Carrie, this is the this is the holiday to party, my friend. Mm-hmm. And then we would like pass by house. He'd be like, nah, not going to that house. But the one house that he did choose to go to were giving <laughs> was giving out what one million dollars right yeah a million dollar bill there is a million dollar bill that had jesus propaganda on it yes yes it really did it really did it really did it was wild who was the picture on it it wasn't jesus it was like a weird it was like like teddy roosevelt or something i did honestly it went in the trash so quickly i couldn't tell you i'm kind of bummed i wanted to read it on the podcast did you oh well but jesus and like the kids were like i will say it felt so this is what was sad about it. It felt so manipulative because to see the kid's face, like Koa and his friend Ozzy, they got this million dollar bill and like the excitement on their face. Yeah, that was really cute. Felt, uh, you know, there were was a lot of places cute, in the neighborhood giving, the, there was places in the neighborhood doing like, do you want a toy or a treat? Um, and that's cute. That was like interesting. I, I like that. I kind of, I, I, I thought that was cool and it was interesting because Cole picked the toy every time, you know? 
He, he was wore, like, I mean, he wore some like really cute purple owl glasses that were really cute. Oh, yeah. I love that because he was Hermione. And so he'd go up to people and they'd be like, Harry? And he'd be like, I'm the Hermione. Hermione. Or like they, he would be like, wow, Harry. And then like two seconds later, you just hear him go, Hermione. <laughs> it was really funny. It was really cute. Yeah, it was hard for him to get recognized for the work he was doing. It was. He went, And he was wearing... And, you know, I mean, like, listen, it was a cute dress, but when you just see the top half, you don't get the whole context of it. Yeah. And that was tough. That was yeah. tough. But he had a really good Halloween. So did Griff. Griff, um, he just wanted to stay in front of any house that had an animatronic uh, out front. Such great decorations. And spider and- was great. So, dear readers, Matt oh rigged a spider God. on our porch so that Koa could lower it onto people. It was like a big, one of those big fuzzy spiders. And he could lower it onto people from our tree very suddenly incredible. and then pull it back up again. And it just, Koa did that nonstop with the most serious look on his face and the most, uh, just so much concentration and focus. That it was just men at work. It was him doing that. He was busy. And Ozzy handing out the candy. And they both took their jobs super really seriously. Ser- in fact, like Ozzy, like a little baby took like a couple of pieces. And Ozzy and was, was like, like, it's one. He was like, it's one. And tried to reach in her hand and pull one back. She was like <laughs> 18 months. And we were all like, Ozzy, it's fine. Like it was so funny. <laughs> and her parents, his parents were like, we got to teach this kid to like, you know, Not fuck break with authority. Some rules. Yeah, like yeah. We got to teach him to, you know, kind of. Get a little jiggy with it. You spend the, all, the first few years of their life so dead set on teaching them to follow rules. And then if they become a rule follower, you're like, oh, Shit, I got to actually undo some of that. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Koa would do this thing where I was watching. It was pretty mesmerizing watching Men at Work, frankly, because I, I, I'm not familiar with Men at Work. And I, I really like to see it. So he was like pulling up. <laughs> Because I'm a woman at work. You know what I mean? It's totally. just like a different And the vibe. women, they work. And the women, they work, work. You know, Angelica. That's they a Hamilton. work. Work. Um, W-E-R-Q is how we're spelling that. Mm-hmm. So, so Cole would like pull up the thing and then he would let go like this, like a full, like a f- like his whole body let go. It wasn't yeah. just like oh, let yeah. go of the hands. It was like step away. It was like, and step the hands away. in the air. It was like jazz hands. And every time. <laughs> and he would be like, he'd like surprise himself. And then it was, and he was like, da 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 and then the best was people were like, is it animatronic? Here he's like, they think it's animatronics. <laughs> they think it's animatronics. <laughs> I like, got them. It's me. It's me. I'm like, you're the animat. You're the mo-. They're like, you know, he goes, they think it's motion detector. I go, Koa, I think you're the motion detector. And he's yeah. like, whoa. Huge. Yeah, that kid's so cute. Huge for him. It was, what did he say the other day? He, did so- he tried to do something and he messed it up. He goes, oh, I'm rubbish at this. <laughs> It's like, god, oh I my love god, it. he's so cute. He's really cute. They're and really Griff fun. They were, it was fun guys lately. Really funny to watch. We just went on a trip to Asheville to visit Matt's folks for uh like four nights and mm-hmm. so they just moved there and it I have to say that they moved from Santa Cruz. They moved to be with Matt's sister's family and they're definitely like meant to be in Santa Cruz, which is to say just like hippies they're hippies and, and they beautiful love people the climate they love the people they love the ocean they love everything about it and they really want to be near family, uh, family. they yeah. really want to be near family so they, they made this move and they haven't moved into their house yet so we were in an airbnb but matt's sister's in her house and they're living in the basement but 
it was like to be there I was like well there's a lot of nature like that's good there's a lot of beautiful places to walk that's Mm -hmm. good their neighborhood's really lovely but we were there and it was like one morning there was just tons of gunshots you know just like tons of gunshots wait really yeah Tons and it's that it's feeling. Because it's deer season there, or like I what is it? What season is it? What I know, you don't know. That's weird. It's That's me. Weird. So I was like, God, a lot of people committing murders <laughs> and suicides this morning. It's a really depressing. While you're over your place. cup of coffee in your hot tub, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, a lot of suicides this early a.m. <laughs> what do I know about hunting? I don't think about anything like that. So I think about murder mostly. So I was like, Ugh, very dark here. Um, um, when I was in North Carolina myself, like going through the airport, mm-hmm. did you see so many signs? It's like no handguns, and Tons even of at guns TSA, hand. they were like, "Do you have a gun?" And I was like, "No, why would I bring?" And they're like, "Just and one the more screen, you have guns." The screens in the area we were waiting for the plane was talking about how to keep your gun secure, how to clean your gun, how to store your gun, <laughs> and I was like, "Just gun advice <laughs> was everywhere," and it did make me feel unsafe. Um, in addition to that. In addition to that, we did drive by at least you did two Confederate flags. And I was like, oh, what? Wow. where am I? That is a culture shock. That Total. is a shock. That is Could like, not believe. Yeah. I was even like, should I go ring the doorbell and tell them what that is? I, they must not know. <laughs> Somebody gave that to them. It was like so they went trick-or-treating. <laughs> Someone gave out a Jesus dollar bill. Someone gave out a Confederate flag. They hung it. They can't possibly know what it is. Yeah. I mean, the same thing is upstate, right? It's like there's all these signs. Upstate, there's a lot of Trump signs. There's not a lot of Confederate flags. No. Have you no. ever seen a Confederate flag? I've never seen Wait, one. you've never seen it live in action? Hanging from someone's it is, home? It Absolutely not. It is clear not. to me that you have not traveled from the Midwest Denver, to Florida. Santa Cruz, yeah, you, Hawaii? Where the fuck oh, am I seeing I a Confederate re- flag? Oh, oh, this feels like new to me. I see them... In Georgia, they're everywhere. Like we we drive from Chicago to Florida, and so we pass through Tennessee, we pass through Georgia. Like they're they're there. They're mm-hmm. on billboards. They're they're fucking there. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's not that I'm desensitized to them, but like the the um the pearl clutching has. I, I'm used to that motion of like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there are fucking monster people in mm-hmm. this world who consider that their fucking heritage. Grow up. As I like to say, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. That you lost, okay? You fucking lost. You tried to secede. You lost. Grow up. Grow up. I've definitely I can't felt you've never seen like a that huge in, temperature shift. And I was like, okay, this is going to be oh, really wow. different. And Matt's mom was kind of asking about, um, you know, she has a earth flag that she hung yeah. from her house in Santa Cruz and they're a little concerned that they're moving into this neighborhood that has like a pretty strict HOA maybe that's like keep your lawn this way that kind of thing and mm-hmm. a lot of people have America flags and she wants to hang her earth flag and it's like well they let her you know and it's I that I feel like what I love about Brown though is I feel like she'd do it though well what I love is that Matt Matt was so right he was like she should just do it and she'd get to know the neighbors because the truth is to know her is to love her and the entire neighborhood will be like so completely charmed by her that I just yeah. can't imagine. I think they would just change the rules. You know. I also like want to see someone that it's just so fucking backwards. I was just looking at some things that made me angry online about book banning and you know, the moms for liberty. The you know what? 
the library we took them to in Asheville mm-hmm. had a uh, banned uh, book section. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we and well, I can't Koa imagine picked out the book from I don't know how to say her last name, but that beautiful actress uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, say it again. Nyong'o. Nyong'o? Okay, she has That's a really sweet book about wrong. growing up and being self-conscious about how dark her skin was and co picked it out and checked it out and we were reading it to him and he was like wait where are the curse words <laughs> like he was like why wait, that was a banned read- book it's a bi- it, it was on the banned book section yeah oh my god i mean it, it's banned somewhere Goodness only I, knows I would where be Florida. Looking would, at you, yeah, Florida. Looking at you, kid. By the way, my favorite thing about Florida politics right now is the um, the real mystery. The mystery that keeps me up at night is mm. is Ron DeSantis wearing heels in his boots. Have you seen this? Yeah, and he is. Like, it's there's no so mystery funny. there. It's so funny. And what's been so great is like. It feels like this like beautiful moment of bipartisanship because I've seen like Fox News be like, "What is he doing with his shoes?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, okay, you have like a little okay." We're all concerned about We're the shoes. We're all concerned about the shoes, as we should be. And like they're asking like Nikki Haley like what her opinion is and mm-hmm. of the shoes, and she's Great. like, "I, I, I don't Can't wear speak heels." To that. She goes, "What did Nikki Haley say?" And this is not me endorsing Nikki Haley. She believes in fracking. She doesn't think that the world is warming. Let's move on. But she did say something. She's like, "I've always said the same thing about heels. If you can't run in them, you shouldn't wear them." And I don't think. You can run in those. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just oh, it's so fun to see someone who like tries to talk woke politics is so sensitive about his little teeny tiny wee little teeny tiny height. What a little baby. Love. And they look so stupid. It's so fun. It's yeah. so fun. That's, yeah. I love the schadenfreude of it. Anyway. Let's just go back to talking about shoes and tiny hands and you all know, the things just that a little, make us a little, us. A little cat, catty, catty cat meow. I, you know, I remember like, I love to do a Howard Dean Yelp. Do you know the Howard Dean Yelp? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It is such a dated reference, but it makes me so happy because it it harkens to a time where like that ruined his political career. How fucking crazy is that? How cute! Like really cute. He screamed. He got so excited because he won a primary, and he just did a yeah with a fist pump, and his political career ended. And I just think how fun! How fun! We were we were just more innocent back then, and I appreciate that very Me much. Me too. That's I'm glad you brought that up. I you, hey, thank you so. It's like it's sort of how I feel of like I want to bring back suck it or um suck it. You know, like with the crossed hand gesture on the groin, suck it. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some, I want to bring back some like vintage. Good for you. Um, like I know you are, but what am I? Your mom. You know, like what are some things that we can bring back? Do you have like a vintage? Um, come back that you miss. Bite me. Oh, we Quinn. could bring back a bite me. We can bring back a bite. Bite me. Bite me. Okay, let's do it. Let's do that. And that, and obviously, <sighs> our old me. faithful is grow up. Yeah, grow up. Grow up is always good. It's so good. Actually, Classic. someone reached out to us about like possible merch because there would be someone a, a listener. Did you see this message? A listener reached out and was like, "We were thinking of a murderer," or they were like, "There was like a murder something." I'm trying to think of what it was. I feel I can't so remember. bad. Anyway, they, they was, apparently their friend was like, okay, let me let me look it up. Oh, I don't have my phone on me. I think it was on Instagram. But they were like, a murderer, ugh, grow up. Which I just, a grow up is such oh. like a perfect encapsulation of just like 
I'm not even going to give you the time of day. Yeah. Not you worth my deserve, time. You don't deserve. Just grow up. Come on. Come on. Grow up. There's a lot of people There's we cover that I feel that way about. Totally. The case actually today is something not growing up. But I'm going to wait because I'm second. the time ever, I'm going to say, you're listening to... <gasps> Truly, Truly Darkly, darkly Creepily. That's Carrie Epema. And that's Quinlan Posner. But I said it first you this time. You said it first. That's really sweet. Who goes first this time? Oh, wait. Let's see. So we're doing 149. Let me see. 149. And so Quinn, I go first. No. Great. I think I go first. Do it. Are you ready? I mean, I'm ready. Which one do I want to do first, though? I actually... It's hard to decide, right? Okay, I want to do this one because this one is super fun for me and it's contemporary and we just were saying grow up and I and I think it's important because this is one that's about not aging and it's really fun. So I got this information from the New York Times, KCUR, which is the NPR in Kansas City and Wikipedia, and I'm telling the story of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster. Sister Wilhelmina, born Mary Lancaster. She's born in 1924. She's an old biddy. Is that of connotations? I don't want to like... Old biddy. If someone describes an old woman as an old biddy, they're saying in an unkind and impolite way Wait, that I... they think that she is silly or unpleasant. Oh, well, you know what? She's she sticking to be, it. I could say she could. Well, it depends on who you ask because she's a pretty conservative broad she's a nun mm-hmm. um but i just want to give you a quote before it because i was going to reveal this later but like she would say to people she was like very funny she's very very devout in her faith she's a nun i don't think you like join you don't halfway nunhood. Nun- yeah you can't you're wearing a freaking habit yeah i guess i'll be a nun she but she was like a real nun like every time i, I like she like lived in an abbot and she like she taught schools in the eastern seaboard okay but here's the thing she she would sell. She would tell people. She's like, "I'm Sister Wilhelmina," and she'd be like, "I've a hell of a will, and I mean it." Wilhelmina. <laughs> I'm a hell of. I'm. I've a hell of a will, and I mean it. So she's like, she's funny. She like did a lot of devotional poetry. You know, she's a fun lady. But a little bit about her, I want to give some backstory because it's important. Um, so she's a black woman, and she is the descendant of enslaved Catholics, and she grew up in a Catholic family in St. Louis. And at the age of 17 years old, she joined a traditionally black order of nuns. And she Mm -hmm. was amongst this order for 50 years. They're called the Oblate Sisters of Providence in Baltimore. And while she was there, I mentioned it before, but she was a school teacher for 50 years, for over 50 years, Mm -hmm. um, which like feels very on brand. So this was like through the 40s, 50s, like through the 90s. A nun school, a nun while she's a school teacher? Well, most school teachers were nuns in Catholic schools. Right. Okay. That was like a very common. Like my mom went to a Catholic school. All of her she teachers were nuns. by nuns. It That's like it. A, like a nightmare. Oh, it. Oh, it is. I mean, I'll tell this story because my grandma. You know, she told us this all her life growing up because my grandma hated the nuns that taught her because they would beat you. I mean, they had rulers. They were very strict, and I think obviously. Wait, can I tell you a religious joke that I just heard? Of course. Um, I'm sorry. Of cross. Of- <laughs> Nailed it. I have to think of what 
you don't have it at the ready? Well, the a fuck? Pre- name of name. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. Father Michael. A priest, a nun, and a rabbit walk into a bar. <laughs> and the bartender turns to the rabbit and says, what type of blood are you? And the rabbit looks around and goes, I'm probably a typo. Get it? Of course I got it. Oh, I don't think it's it's, that, it's it's really good. I just thought you'd be rolling. It's uh, wait, hold on. Just like <laughs> I am rolling, rolling. How does Harry Potter get down a hill? Walking. JK, JK rolling. Um. Okay. So, no, it's really common for nuns to be school teachers. And listen, I'm you know I'm a former Catholic. I do believe there's some sexism in there because it's like the nuns, let's have them teach yes. kids. Like it's very, it's very that to me. Um, I'm going to tell this story about my grandma because you know what, we're here we are. My grandma um, told the story of how my grandma had the most beautiful like baseball card collection ever. And so one day she was in school and she was swapping cards with someone. Mm-hmm. And my grandma said it was like, be- it was the envy of the town and this girl ended up like giving her a card after the bell rang, but through no fault of my grandma's, my grandma got busted and the nun came and was like, you can collect these after school. So she took my grandma's baseball cards and my grandma to this day is like, they'd be worth, they'd be worth thousands of dollars. Wait, she didn't get them back? She went back at the end of the school. She went back at the end of school day. The nun sat, my grandma like says horrible things with this fucking nun. She sat with a trash can in between her legs and she took each card and she ripped it. Are you fucking quarters, kidding me? And she made my grandma dispose of all of them. She'd gone after that woman later in life. I think my grandma wanted to. My grandma was a teacher. I my, that that story like that happened when my grandma was probably like like less than ten years old. It's under so ten. Scary the people and it reminds me just of you know um, certain kinds of police officers or people that get into power to hurt others. Well, it's like there are there are people who are in power. In churches, in community programs, and all these things that just like take a whiff of power, like, and they're not people that necessarily are doing it for the right reasons. They're not necessarily people that are, you know, it, it could be because it's their only option. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are people, and and I can have compassion for that woman because, like, this woman hates children, and she's teaching because like, there's no way that woman likes kids. No, if she is taking or something baseball. or well, I think they were like girl card, like they were the girl version, the like baseball cards. They were like doll like whatever it is the girl version the girl version of baseball yes what is that um like fun people on the cards as opposed to baseball players so they just i'm referring to like like, they were like novelty a pony on a water slide or something yeah it's like lisa frank vibes but like in the 40s so like i don't know what the hell's happening there but like there's got to be rainbows (laughs) or something but i think it's like you know at the time they didn't have tv really like Mm -hmm. they had radio like could you imagine like how important your shit was Yeah. yeah and like and their kids in general. Well, kids, during, kids, kids shit are, is the most important shit. It's so important. And so she had like, my grandma like still, I mean, she's she's now 92, 93, yeah, 92 years old. And she's told us a story her whole life. Mm-hmm. My grandma still holds such, she's like, that woman, no, that was a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like she fucking hates her. So like that woman has said, this woman, Sister Wilhelmina, like I think she really did get into this because she's incredibly devout. She believes in the order. So she was teaching in schools over 50 years. So she was based in Baltimore. So she taught on the Eastern Seaboard. But towards the end of her time with the Oblate Sisters of Providence, she 
she sort of became disillusioned by what she saw as what she which what, what she saw as the loosening standards and worship and clothing style. So mm-hmm. I think like she was very devout. She was very conservative in her beliefs, which mm-hmm. again, like I think it's important to know like the Catholic Church, you know, is as like strict as it is. And I grew up in, like I I grew up in the Catholic Church, but I have parents that like you know were pro-choice where you know i mean it's like there's you can be culturally catholic and disagree with the teachings of the church in my experience of it so for example like sister wilhelmina she um, was very conservative in her beliefs but i think what's important to note of this is like her beliefs were not totally representative of what a lot of black catholics believe which is black catholics tend to be more liberal on social issues so for example 70 percent of black catholics believe abortion should be legal which is a higher um, percentage than just what Catholics believe in general, okay. right? And I think what's also interesting is while she is in, while she is serving as a nun for these many years, the Catholic Church has a really fucking bad reputation when it comes to race. They have they black nuns have not been treated kindly. Black parishioners have not been treated kindly. Like the church has a lot of fault. Yeah. in their hands right let's be honest the church just has a lot of fault in general i can't like that i don't know if they like treated kids great <laughs> but how about that stained glass <laughs> but gorgeous oh my but God. the churches uh, the oops. candles gorgeous but at what cost um anywho so while she's in this order um she is you know People are getting, people are dressing funky. You know, I'm sure Sister Act comes out this time and she's like, I don't like this. I don't like what this is representing. So she decides to leave the Oblate Sisters of Providence and she finds a new traditionalist order in the 90s because she's very conservative socially and theologically. So she ends up going to Missouri, um, which is this town like 10 minutes outside of Gower, Missouri, which is just north of Kansas City, Missouri. And she goes to join the Abbey of Our Lady of Ephesus. Ephesus. <laughs> you knew where my head went. I did. I know exactly. Yep. And it's run by the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles, which is a very small but growing conservative order of nuns. Um, and it's growing because, let's be real, nuns, they got a lot of time. They got beautiful voices. This conservative order is growing, and a lot of it because of their music. These churches love to sing, mm-hmm. i.e. Sister Act. So, um, Billboard magazine names this group its classical traditional artist of 2012-2013 after the group notched two best-selling records recorded in the Monastery Chapel. <gasps> like, it's lit over there. It's Sister Act. It's Sister Act, but very conservative. Conservative Sister <laughs> I don't act. think Whoopi could join. Well. I don't think so. Remember, Whoopi wasn't actually in that. I don't know if they'd let her in, though. You still in Sister Act? Kathleen and Jimmy? Come on. She was oh, pretty God. loose. She You're was right. pretty loose. She wasn't conservative, she was lady. Fun. Come on. She was, she was fun. She was good. I, I love, love Kathleen and Jimmy. I just saw an she, interview with her where she was like, <gasps> I saw, saw the Hocus too. Pocus thing where, where she was like, like, I, I just don't, don't want to malign witches. witches. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I fucking love you, girl. Be as pure as Kathleen and Jimmy. And what's fun is I think she played sort of a similar character as Sister Mary and as, you know, Sister Mary. <laughs> Maybe they were meant to be the same. Was her name Sister Mary in um, Sister Act? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. 
I hope it is. Let's just pretend it is. Okay, so in this church that uh, in Missouri that uh, Sister Wilhelmina is serving at, um, the church is very conservative um, as well. So all of the women have to dress very modestly. They have to wear head coverings. Um, and in 2019, Sister Wilhelmina passed away from old age at the age of 95. Mm. She lived a very, very long life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in her death, she was described as a little nun who persevered in faith. And according to the tradition, and it was signed by a um, mortician, she was not embalmed, which is a part of, um, I think, the common religion. practice okay. at that time. So. She was not involved, and she was put in a simple wood coffin, and she was buried in the corner of the property. And according to tradition, after about four years, in 2023, so just this year in June, Mm -hmm. um, her sisters are planning to enshrine her and her remains in the chapel. So they have to um, dig up her coffin to move her body to a place of honor inside the church. So the little nuns that could... (laughs) They start digging a hole mm-hmm. where their where their sister Wilhelmina is laid to rest. And so they're digging it out and they notice like there's a crack down the center of the coffin. And they expect to find she's not embalmed, so they expect to find just bones that they can clean up and move her remains, mm-hmm. right? But that is not what they find. Inside they find the corpse of Sister Wilhelmina and her face looks like it hasn't changed. It's staring right back at them. What? Like her face looked like Sister Wilhelmina. She has not decomposed after four years underground. It doesn't make sense. Well, it makes sense if you're religious and there's this thing called being called, it's considered incorruptible. It's where your body does not decompose with the elements, which I'll get into it. So the sisters even talk about how her habit looked immaculate, like her whole self. (laughs) It's it's giving me midnight mass a little bit, right? Like when I was reading this, I was like, it's giving me midnight mass. I love it. So, and the, and the coffin was damp. So there was like a lot of moisture. Um, And I did see pics of her body, pics. I did see pictures of her and her body, her remains. And her hands are a bit decomposed, but her face is like perfect. I wouldn't say perfect, but like not four years in a coffin. Like Mm -hmm. they asked a local mortician, which I'll get into more, but he was like, she's fared better in four years than I've seen bodies in three days. Unreal. The mortician mortician is like, what the fuck is happening? So as soon as her sisters find her, they immediately describe her as incorruptible, which in the Catholic Church is used to describe people whose bodies are even body parts. They don't decompose in death. And an incorrupt body can signify sainthood. And it's also a sign of holiness, right? It's like... Too little, too late. She's gone, but... Well, you can only be, be a saint in death. Oh, is that true? Yeah, it like sometimes it takes years if not decades or like hundreds of years to to prove to go through the process of Mm -hmm. canonization like i don't know if there's any saints that were given sainthood before they died Mm because i think part of their death is also i actually don't know that totally but like mother Teresa, who i actually probably will cover her at some point because she's like a very interesting person Mm -hmm. and like there's some controversy around her which i find fascinating um but it took years after her death for her to be considered a saint. Oh. 
Yeah, the canonization is like a separate sacrament. Um, and if I'm wrong about this, I sorry. So anyway, so <laughs> the phenomenon of incorruptible bodies, um, it has occurred about a little more than 100 times worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it's in Europe. And what's really interesting about this is that it's never happened in America. This is the first time it's ever happened, and it's this year in 2023. Oh, yes. What I was saying is sainthood sometimes takes many years or centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but having an incorrupt body is like a very good start to get on that path to sainthood. Oh. It's highly revered in the Catholic Church to be incorruptible. It makes it makes that like that it, it, it sort of signifies that you are a holy person and also strong enough within your own faith and body to be incorruptible from the elements. It's like nothing can affect you because you're incorruptible. Mm-hmm. Um, what was also super interesting about this is there was no odor in her body. There's no smell. Okay, because my next question was going to be, do you think somebody made like a mask? A mask? No, no, like a really good mask and put it on her. No. But then she would still smell because she would still rot. Yeah, she's not rotting. Okay. There's a radio show called Miracle Hunter. It's on a Catholic station. And the host told this story to his listeners. And he talked about how distinctive this was. One, because it's the first time an incorruptible body has ever been found in America, but also it's the first time a black person has ever been deemed incorruptible. Um, So this was very, very big news. it's huge. It's huge. It's a big marker. And it happened to this like tiny town outside of Gower, Missouri. That's like, yeah, while the billboard news knows about them it's like nobody else goes and so the abbey became an incredibly important attraction so they found her in may or something and by the time memorial day weekend came around tons of people came to visit so this became sort of like a pilgrimage for people to go visit her body because it was so noteworthy and it's Mm -hmm. a sign of holiness and so people who believe in this faith were really drawn to her to see what was going on so the town of gower is like essentially put on the map this town has 1500 people in it like Mm -hmm. it's not a big town at all um and on their town website they have like a little link to the abbey which is six miles from the downtown area but again like you can get a beer for a dollar fifty like in this area. It's not a busy place. It can't support all these visitors. So they have to turn down or they have to turn a two lane into just a one way just to deal with the traffic into mm-hmm. town. The Abbey turns their alfalfa farm field into a parking lot and directors are like and, and visitors are directed to her empty grave site where they can like go pay their respects at her grave site. And then it winds around to view her body, which is now being laid openly publicly in the church mm-hmm. on memorial day weekend over twenty-five thousand people visit her body they view the body they touch the body they pray over her body mm-hmm. it is huge news i mean and just so many witnesses to this it's not hearsay yeah um volunteers are there they're handing out water fruit they also have to distribute veils and knee-length skirts so that women can adhere to the dress code Mm -hmm. even non-catholics are visiting because they're so interested in this phenomenon like they interview a 17 year old i think in um the NPR article, but they interview a seven or maybe the New York Times article, but they interview a 17 year old who's from a non-denominational Protestant church. And she's quoted as saying, even if it's not, it brings more people to come and question things 
than it is. She's been three times and the, before the first time she went, she'd never seen a nun before, right? This mm-hmm. is like not a part of her practice. And she said it was like a bit of a culture shock, but she said in this quiet, small town, it's also something to do. After the mass visit, mass pilgrimage to her on Memorial Day, I think they realized like, oh, this is something bigger. We need to protect her body. So they enclosed her in a glass case and installed her in the church where she's just in plain view of the pews. So where people go and like sit and experience mass and, you know, go Mm -hmm. to church, there's just like her non-decomposed body just sitting there holy Um, shit the bishop who is whose diocese is the abbey is located and so a bishop is sort of in charge they have like a big swath of a bunch of churches and monasteries and all that stuff in there sort of like purview he obviously gets wind of what's going on and he's like well i understand that visitors want to see the body they shouldn't touch it or treat it as a relic which when i read that i my bias i'm reading into it where i'm like this guy is just jealous because this nun is like mm-hmm. getting all of this treatment and he's like you know she's not a relic but i think in the catholic church like that stuff has a hierarchy and there is a process to be deemed a relic or to you know start the process into canonization into sainthood mm-hmm. so i think he's going like okay don't treat it as holy like don't you can treat it as like a gift but like we don't know what it is yet you have to like tread cautiously okay. almost um And while the volume has dropped from that like initial 25,000 people that visited on Memorial Day weekend, there's still steady visitors in and out of the Abbey. There's people from Minnesota, from Texas, from California. People are coming to take pictures of her and they're planning on coming back later just to see if her condition has changed. Yeah. Um, It, what's really tough is obviously like these nuns give their life to the church, right? I mean, they are, they essentially marry the church. That is the devotion. That is like the sacrament that they're doing when they join um, the monastery, when they become a nun. And, but she has family, you know, she has nieces and nephews. She had sisters and they're really upset, her nieces and nephews, because they completely object to how the Abbey has handled her body. They take issue um, with the fact that they didn't realize that she was going to be exhumed until weeks after it happened. And only after persistently asking were they allowed to have time alone with the body, her family. So it feels, I think her family, her nieces and nephews feel really upset that they weren't given a choice or they weren't given proper notification of their aunt's body. Who's now sort of like a spectacle for the world to see. Yeah. There is, you know, obviously with anything like this, there there's a little bit of controversy. Um, like I said before, like the Catholic Church has like really bad rap when it comes to race relations. And um, the sect that she belonged to is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all 64 nuns that make up the Benedictines of Mary are white. And so there's a historian who wrote a book about black Catholic nuns, and she expressed that she hoped that Sister Wilhelmina is not being used to counter the reality of what black Catholicism is in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think she has some hesitance. She's worried that, you know, they are going to put her on a pedestal in a way to sort of like absolve the church, to absolve some of their responsibility. And she wants to make sure like it's all for the right reasons. Now, of course, like 
comes the science part of it, right? Okay. Which like, of course, there's going to be people that are like, okay, we actually don't know what bodies decomposing in a coffin will look like all the time. You know, it mm-hmm. depends on like the humidity. It depends um, even on like what the person ate before they died, especially if they're not embalmed. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what their diet was before death, like the dryness of the wood, the significance of the crack down the middle, like maybe that affected the humidity, which could have preserved her. And they point a lot to bog bodies. You know what I... <laughs> I got to say, whatever kind of coffin she's in, you just feel like the guy selling these coffins is the one that really should be like... Well, I think it was like, it was not like a, it was... She'd be like, extra, extra, read all about it. Well, I think in like her faith too, it's like they're not like spending a lot of money on these like lush, cozy coffins that we see, you know, at open casket funeral homes Mm -hmm. where there's like silk and it's a pillow and it's like, and then it's airtight. Like I've been to plenty of funeral where like... When that coffin is closed, it is airtight and they are sealed. Mm-hmm. And it gives you sort of this thing of like, okay, they'll stay there. They won't be worm food. But I think what's significant about this is like she was in a simple coffin. I think mm-hmm. especially because as a nun. Where are those worms at? Where where the worms at? You know, no worms. Like nothing. And there was a crack down the middle of the coffin. Mm-hmm. Like there's no. It doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, her hands definitely look decomposed but the fact that there's no odor and they're not fully decomposed like they anticipated to find bones yeah in her coffin and wow. they found the exact Unreal. opposite like even her habit was undisturbed like her clothing yeah, yeah. lasted four so years wild. down there and so the scientific community is pointing to bog bodies which i've talked about before which you see thousand year old corpses that are found in these bogs because the humidity, the temperature, like everything just works where they're naturally preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some scientific evidence that is happening, but there is no doubt that the, you know, within the religion that she practiced, like this is a miracle. I mean, I don't know if I can call it a miracle according to the Catholic church, but like being an incorruptible body is certain is certainly a step in the right direction to be canonized and right. be considered saintly. Um, and this like little town of outside of Gower, Missouri, and the monastery is just being visited to view this body. And, wow. But Sister Wilhelmina, like, I'm really proud of her. I'm really excited for her, frankly. Are you? I'm excited for her. I mean, she dedicated her life to the church. I mean, I'm I think probably, you know, like a lot of devoted people, especially like from what you hear about her life or what I heard about her life is she didn't seem like someone who was seeking power. She seemed like someone who was seeking faith. And I don't know if she'd be happy that she is like a little bit of a spectacle. Do you know what I mean? Isn't the whole point becoming a saint? I don't know. I think it's also like to support the faith. Like, I mean, I think... For you and me, you know, actors and podcasters, I think we'd be like, yeah, if I'm going to be a nun, I want to be a saint. Like, we want to go for it. But I think there is a lot of people who want to, like, just be a part of the church mm-hmm. and just to serve it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be so curious. I mean, it wasn't that she was constantly, like, um, seeking more power. I mean, she's a nun in a Catholic in Catholicism. I can't imagine many nuns in Catholicism are power-seeking people. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think what is, what I'm excited about for Sister Wilhelmina is that she 
there is something like she is giving, she is, she is giving people faith in a lot of ways. I think people are coming and seeing this and seeing this holy experience and maybe reacquainting themselves with their Catholicism or like even this non-denominational Protestant girl who's visited three times, she seems fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this is like, you know, she is a vessel in some way to, to people's faith. But I don't know if, yeah, I just, the idea of like, nailed it got to sainthood like i i think like i feel like it's almost like um if you want to be a saint you're not going to be a saint <laughs> if you want to be a saint you you're gotta not gonna get away with my you friends know what I mean? like i just feel like saints probably like shouldn't be like flashy yeah that's okay. like two mega church vibes and in catholicism i'm like that's i don't think that flies right. i think you want to just like put your head down do good and that's, this ain't the gemstones, what, baby. This ain't the righteous gemstones. But you know what? She is a righteous Wilhelmina. corpse stone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I wanted to tell you, that's the story of Sister Wilhelmina. All right. Well, I got to Google image her. I would like to tell you a story today, as I do on many a day that we are together. Mm-hmm. Today, I got my information from the debrief ultimateclassicrock.com ultimateclassicrock.com correct this is already exciting we got a musical episode we got billboard in my story mm-hmm. we got ultimate classic rock let's go la times and the times i'm talking philip taylor kramer who was born in 1952 in ohio and as a kid philip kramer he One of his big influences is his father, Ray, who is a professor of electrical engineering. And his entire life, his dad is like, I want to disprove Einstein's theories. Mainly, I want to disprove the concept that something can't go faster than the speed of light. Can't someone just leave well enough alone? No. (laughs) Because if things could go faster than the speed of light, that shit would be really cool. So he has to figure that out. He has out. to know. Okay, fine. He has to fine. know. And Apple doesn't fall far from the tree because at like 12, Philip is winning the science fair at his school in Ohio because he built a laser and it could throw a beam strong enough to pop a balloon. Isn't that cool? At 12? That's really cool. That's, That's really, really awesome. cool. A little bit more just about his history is that, um, and this is where rock and roll becomes interested in him he became the bassist of iron butterfly in 1974 yeah and he was like with them when they were recording the album uh, scorching beauty and sun and steel and he wrote some of the lyrics and they have copies of some of the stuff he would write when he was staying up all night in the shitty hotels they would stay in on the road and he'd be like writing down ideas and Um, I'm going to read you some of the lyrics because they sort of pick up a somewhat ominous meaning later on. This feeling of hope is so strong within me, it almost shatters my fears. Losing virtue is losing life. One of my foremost goals is to constantly strive for virtue. I want to give dreams, ideas, and feelings that are of a good nature. I am limited by my own life. There is only so much a human being can achieve within his physical boundaries, but I wish to reach beyond my physical being. With the help of God, I will never fail. I do not pretend to know who or what makes up the unity of God, but I beg for his help and hope his forgiveness will guide me through my errors. 
nice little religion, a pioneer story, but mm-hmm. also just like a rock and roll guy in a hotel. What kind of music is it? Like fun rock or is it like kind of metal? Like it's kind of metally. I I've been to one metal show, and can I tell you, it was maybe the most joyful show <clears throat> I've ever been yeah. to. Have I told you about this? No. Um, and I can't picture it. <laughs> no, because do you remember we had um, when we worked at that bar? Mm-hmm. Victor, he always listened to metal when he was cleaning. Uh-huh. And he was like, when you talk to him, he was just like the nicest, happiest person. Happiest person. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's always this like metal idea of like, and like really angry. I think it's like catharsis. I think it's like release. You would like the show. There's a really good show called Dead to Me with Christina Applegate yeah. in it. And she listens to that kind of music. That's like her kind of music. And it's like feels very antithetical in some ways to who she is. But then it makes sense by the end. But yeah. um, it's like why I like listening yeah. to sad girl music. I'm like, I just want to feel the feelings. And like, it's a very it's striking great. personality trait to be someone that that's their music. Yeah. They hop in the car and throw that on. Because it does sound like noise to it's, some people. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really handsome guy he's like six foot five really like cutie i'm um, height blind so that doesn't do anything for me yeah well he's i mean and he's, he's just mus- a good looking a mu- face a hottie musician slash total smarty pants because <sighs> all right i'm in when he leaves the band he um goes back to college and gets a degree in aerospace engineering kind of similar to dad and he goes to work on the mx missile guidance system so he's a He's contracted with the Department of Defense. So he okay. has, like, everything's top secret yeah. that he's working on. So we don't know a ton about what he does. Even the people that worked with him didn't know a ton about what he did. Like, one of the guys was like, I just remember, like, he had his cubicle door, like, like he had it taped shut. Jeez. And it was some, some th- something lots of people in the office did. It was to signal, like, what I'm doing is don't, it shouldn't be viewed. Like, it's. Yeah. It's masturbating. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we all did that when we masturbated it was looking at, at work. Porn. Yeah, um, you just if you well, you know what? Some people don't do it enough. That's why people get busted for doing it. Um, yeah, no, he was clearly working on top secret things, and he was really smart. And then in the '90s, he co-founds uh, Total Multimedia Inc. or TMM, and he starts that company. This is a throwback to the last episode. He starts that company with Randy Jackson. Brother of Michael. So we're going. No, we're going back to the Jacksons. There's lots of tie-ins, huh? Whoa. Um, this is like a computer technology. This is the future, and they do video compression, and they they hire people from the military and stuff to work for them. So it's there's a crossover Whoa. of like we we know what the future is. Yeah. And he knows that, too. And so he's doing this. He marries, like, this woman, Jennifer, that he's loved forever. Um, They have a really strong relationship, from what I've read, on all angles. They have um, kids. They end up having a son together. They end up having a daughter maybe eight years later. And then he launches in his spare time, like, he's not busy enough with – he's, like, a really dedicated dad – he starts would you call non- him a super dad? I would. And I would call him a superman. He does so many cool things. Um, he seems like just a cool guy. Like everything I read, I was like, I like this guy. Um, he starts a nonprofit called Facet, which 
worked for the Conejo Valley Unified School Districts. It was, um, he w- wanted to get them better technology. And he was like, I don't just want to get like computers. I want for the teachers to be able to show their curriculum on cable TV with like da- fast data transfers, which I can't totally picture what that means. But I'm like, he basically was just very lofty about like how much he wanted yeah. to impact the way people were were learning and the speed at which we could communicate with each other. Because remember, he's into like, his dad's into the speed of light. He's into video compression. There's all these ways where someone that's not smart about science and stuff like mm-hmm. me can't appreciate how all those things are like a spider web that connect. Yeah. But I do understand that they are. The fact that he runs this firm, TMM, and that they're better than anybody at video compression yeah. and that that's a really complicated technology. Well, then you have his dad who comes on board and is like, I'm going to help TMM and I'm going to be like a, a scientist in residence that works with them. Wow. Um, he is still really interested in looking at the math that helps us to understand the cosmos. Okay. And he is working and has some sort of breakthrough. And they call it that. Like he and his son call it the breakthrough. And in fact, his son calls it Ray's moment, his dad. Um, But what they're doing is still not public. It's being done secretly. (laughs) I'm just trying to think about how to talk about this. What they're doing is not not public. It's done... Secretly, the which opposite. is also it's done private. It's done the opposite. Let me explain what public is. Let me see what not public is. Private. <laughs> they are trying to study, but we well, it's like what elements are private and what are public is more mm-hmm. what I struggle with because it's like we do know that his dad is is studying gravitational waves, that he's trying to figure out if they can transmit, I don't know, ideas, pictures transmit things faster than the speed of light Mm -hmm. but if you can do that my brain this is where my brain stops because i'm like that is time travel (laughs) that is legitimately time travel like that is like messing with time in a way where you could communicate with anyone not anywhere in the world but anywhere in the universe and you could do it in one second less than a second jodie foster could never Jody Foster. It would change everything. It would yeah. change the whole makeup of how we understand. So my brain stops. My brain like does a thing where when I'm talking about this, it can't <laughs> do it. Like it like freezes. That's what you're seeing in me. I'm like, how? Okay. <laughs> Quinn is fully know how. Uh, of what the? Uh, how could you? No. Uh, it's hard for me to cover the case because it's like I can't appreciate how it's real i think you can appreciate it because you're you're having a hard time grasping the magnitude of it which i think is something to just to be like it weren't you're this is not a science podcast you're not getting it you're getting into the like somewhere else for your science yeah no please god no i think unless you want to talk about the science of decomposing bodies in which case i will say miracle so miracle Miracle. wonder of wonders miracle miracle well this would be a miracle too um and that was a miracle too (laughs) Oh, God. 
he's always not slept well. When he was in the band, he didn't sleep well. Now he's dealing with... It sounds with, like his brain is going like... I'm, like that's more fashion genius, than the speed of light. He's a genius, is the yeah. feeling I get. He's a genius yeah. person that can do anything. Um, but now he's not sleeping, his wife says, for days, which is scary. Yeah. And she's like, this guy's... He is obsessive. He is a genius. Um, he is staying up. He's running these equations that his, his dad has presented... And she's like, what is going on with you? And he is really excited about what he's working on. And he tells her, it's very simple. It's been here the whole time. And it's so simple, no one has discovered it yet. Oh, God. And he's running these equations that have to do with, I think, negating the speed of light. And he thinks that he's really finding these things. And she's like, I don't understand what you're doing. And he says, imagine being able to flash up a picture of a missing child on a computer screen or even part of a picture. And with this new equation, being able to find that child in a fraction of a second. And you're like, I can't actually imagine that. So whatever he's doing, it's above my pay grade. But he is up all night doing this okay let's talk about this fateful weekend on friday he has to go have a three-hour meeting with dan shields one of his colleagues and he shows up and dan Shields says he's talking a mile a minute Mm -hmm. not making a ton of sense he's like hey did you see sneakers on tv this week oh it was crazy um and he's talking about there's an encryption busting theme and I can. I think that I can crack any encrypted code that you throw at me. So then he like does. He's like, okay. And then Philip can't break it. <laughs> he says that the nature of the way he was talking was that he was like excitedly going on and on and on about anything, but not totally making sense. Mm-hmm. And that he his impression of the conversation was, well, this guy needs to sleep. <laughs> right. It sounds like mania. And then he goes to take his kids out to like feed them lunch and he only has 40 cents in his pocket. So his dad's there and he's like, Ray, I need you to give me some money. And he's like, no. And he's like, it's not about the money. You have to just stop. Go home. Go to bed. Like you're out of it, man. But he's not mad. He's like laughing is is the way they paint this moment. But he's kind of like, dude, quit going a mile a minute. Go home. Go to bed. He supposedly goes home, sleeps not that well, um, gets up at least once to run some more equations. Um, But again, this isn't unusual behavior for him. Okay. The next day, he has to leave at 9 in the morning to go to LAX and pick up a business associate of his named Greg Martini, which is a great great name, name. Um, and his wife. Then he's going to go back. He's going to get Jennifer. The four of them are going to go to Santa Barbara and have dinner together. Um, But on the way to the airport, he stops at a medical center to visit Jennifer's, uh, his father-in-law, Jennifer's dad, who's a patient there. He has cancer. And he goes to visit him. And we know that he does go to the airport. We know that because um, there's parking records that show he does, but he doesn't pick anybody up. He goes. Nobody actually sees him. There's no video tapes that um of all the security tapes you can't like find him there but we know that he went there but then we know that after that he disappeared 
Hmm. We know that he made a few phone calls. He called uh, the Iron Butterfly drummer and he said to him, Bush, it's Taylor. I love you more than life itself. And then he hung up. He calls his wife. He has a couple plans with his wife. Like in one of them, he's like, my plans changed. Um, You need to tell Martini to just get a cab to the Hyatt and I'll meet everybody and I'll be there later than planned. And then later he calls his wife and he's like, oh, my God, I have the craziest surprise for you. Oh, no. He also says during one of the calls, whatever happens, I'll always be with you. So then right before noon, he calls 911. Okay. And he says, this is Philip Taylor Kramer. I'm going to kill myself. I want everyone to know O.J. Simpson is innocent. That sounds really crazy, but something you should know about him is that he was asked to give expert testimony on video footage of the murders at the Simpson trial. So he had seen video stuff and was meant to comment on it at trial. So this was like maybe him being like, I'm not going to be there. So let me just explain this. Let me get this out of the way. I'm going to kill myself. I want everyone to know O.J. Simpson is innocent. And then he goes, they did it. And then he hangs up. Oh, my God. Looking at this day, people are like, what happened at the airport? He went and something turned him around. And he Mm -hmm. left and the plans went haywire. Mm -hmm. Um. There's a guy that ends up working for the family as a PI, and he says, I haven't a clue. The guy didn't have an enemy. He was a dedicated family man. Like, they just can't figure it out. They're like, what kind of distress might he have been in? Because everybody's like, loved his wife, loved his kids, loved his job, felt like he was having, even though he might have seemed off, he felt like he was working toward a breakthrough. Then right. he calls 911, and, is, and the fact that she, he was like, I have a big surprise for you. Like, what's the surprise that you're killing yourself? Doesn't sound like how you would tell your wife that. It sounds like he was manic. Like, it, it sounds, sounds like, like he was manic, but it also sounds like he thought he was about to solve something that I don't know. It's so... That's so... Does he do it? It's so eerie. Well, so people are like, he was in some financial distress, actually, because TMM had filed for bankruptcy and reorganization. So they're like... And Jennifer, the wife, is like, when that happened as it does with a with like a company being in trouble a lot of greed sort of got yeah. revealed and maybe there were friendships and stuff that were hard right. it was hard on him um and one thing they recall is that at this time he had said that he was concerned that people were after him right sounds paranoid sounds delusional but when you take the sum of what he was working on and that he was legitimately working on it. He was not a guy that said, I'm randomly somebody that's figuring this stuff out. He's somebody that who, whose father and him spent their whole lives looking into this stuff and were brilliant yeah. scientist people with yeah. brilliant minds that truly were inventing technologies that had never been yeah. seen before. So when you look at that, it, it, I just want to be clear. This wasn't a guy that was like, from left field saying that he could mess with time and space. He was a guy that was messing with time and space. So yes, he seems paranoid, but it also seems like he, it could have been justifiable paranoia. We don't know. Okay. What we do know is he's missing for four years before he's found. And he is found. 
And he's dead. And he's found dead. Ugh. He's found in 1993, and his car is at the bottom um, of Malibu Canyon. Oh. Hikers are there, and they see the car, and they see a dead body in the car. No head. And the head is found, like, a few feet away. What? Also very confusing. What? That's right. He's identified through the dental records. But it's like, there's a... It could have been animals? Uh, sure, maybe. I don't know. I just think it's weird. So How, the FBI he, he... and the local police are looking into it because he had all these military ties. So I think the FBI is like, what? And a lot of people are like, what happened? Because did he do this to himself somehow or did somebody do it to him? Because there's a couple things. First of all, he has information on the Simpson case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. don't know. That's something. That okay. is something. Um, he knew a lot of national secrets. He was working on something that maybe people wanted that information Maybe the people wanted that information not to get out. Some of his friends are like, we think that somebody put a gun to his head and made him drive off that. Like someone was in the car, you know, like mm-hmm. he was on the verge of this big breakthrough. And but then the sister is like, no way. Like she said, my brother takes the weight of the world upon himself and he loves Jennifer and loves his kids dearly, but he banked everything on this discovery with my dad and his mind just ran away with it. He talked of supernovas, earthquakes, all events having no coincidences. I fear he had some kind of breakdown. Mm-hmm. Which, it feels possible, it feels very likely with yeah. the no sleep. Over the past couple of years, he'd gotten really into these two books and he talked to his sister about it. He talked to his wife about it. And one of them was called the Celestine prophecy, um, by James Redfield. And it's an adventure story about an ancient Peruvian manuscript. And it's basically saying that there's going to be a major transformation in humankind. And it's going to change the way we view human consciousness, because we're going to talk about that as it's just one form of Mm -hmm. energy like that there is energy in a physical world, but there's also energy in a spiritual world and that the people in this book will find a way to reach that spiritual. They'll vibrate, it said, at an energy that will allow them to be invisible. So he's obsessed with that. He's obsessed with this book okay. called Embraced by the Light by Betty J. 80s. And it's about her dying. And it says that the universe is driven by design forms of energy that are spirits and that being born on earth is only one form your spirit takes. Right. So it's an infinite lifetime and this is like a part of it. Okay. Which then if you're like, okay, these are the ideas wow. running through his head and they've been running through his head since he was a kid really because we heard, that's why I read that that lyric that he was writing in the hotel room when he was part of Iron Butterfly that was like, I want more than just to be in this physical body. I feel like I have more to do. I feel like I have more to give and that this is like yeah. stopping me from giving it. But it's so weird because you're like, obviously whatever he did, he didn't believe he was killing himself in like a depressive, I'm leaving way. He really, Maybe whether he or thought, not he was right about oh, anything, God. he thought that he figured out 
a way to still be around and affect change and do things just on a different level is what I get from this. Well, that could have that but that to me answers the like I have a surprise for you. Like he had he didn't so think much he faith. was killing himself. Yeah. But isn't he smart enough to realize that that's how the living will perceive it? And that you are leaving your wife that's behind with your children. Sleeping, but you're but you're you're bringing logic into something that like um do 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 you like the comedian Maria Bramford Bamford? Say it again. Maria Bramford. I don't know who that um, is. She's a very funny comedian. She's a very specific way of telling jokes, but she deals with um, mania. I think she has, I think she's, I don't know, but I know she deals with mania and she's talked about like how she speaks with a, she speaks in a sort of like anxious, high pitched childlike voice. And mm-hmm. she's very funny. She talks about how at one point her friend pulled her aside and was like, Hey Maria, um, remember when you told me that I should take you to the hospital if you start talking about weird stuff and there's no point to it. And it's kind of like a lot, a lot of fast talking and Maria's like, yeah, sure. And she's like, I think we should go to the hospital. And, and Maria, like, needed someone to clock that energy for her. And so mm-hmm. I think, like, and then she has a really funny bit where she's like, I would love to have Shark Tank for people with mania. And it'd be people be like, no, 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 you're not you're not hearing the idea. The idea is really, really good. <laughs> <It's just> totally. <laughs> but, I, but I think, like, based on, like, very, I, I, the lack of sleep, mania, and, like, that. That to me feels like a breakdown. It does. I will tell you that, and of course it would be really hard to be the wife, the child, the parent of this person, but his father said, no fucking way. No way at suicide. And he said, Taylor told me a long time ago that there was people giving him problems, that they wanted what he was doing, and several of them had threatened him. He told me, if I ever say I'm going to kill myself... Oh, God. Don't you believe it. I'm going to be needing help. Fuck. That part sticks with me. Of course. How could it not? That part. Wow. Is really interesting to me. Yeah. And this is a really smart guy, you know, and he didn't say that necessarily when he was, I don't know at what point in his life he told his dad that, but. It'd be interesting because you go, did that happen two days before, two weeks before, two years before? Right. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, but conspiracy theories are I bet they're rampant. crazy. Yeah. Rampant. Because people say that there's been something he knew that was getting covered up. People didn't want him to, somebody that understood this could not be alive. Or somebody that understood this, they wanted the information from them. Or... You know, and people talk about time travel surrounding all this. And if he faked his own death. Right. And if we think we have a body and that's not what we have. Right. And it's it's a really wild case where it reminds me of Elisa Lamb a little where you, you go back to that and say, Occam's razor, what's the thing that makes the most sense? It's that somebody had a mental breakdown and did this to themselves. Mm-hmm. But... It's still, in this particular case, far more than hers. I find it very provocative. Um, and I find yeah. the evidence that says something, that there was the foul play to yeah. be. Yeah, I think the like the fact that there are so many things we don't know because of, like, there's so much that's clouded from mm-hmm. our, you can't get a full picture. And mm-hmm. in that way, you're going to, you're going to question it. There's no question. You're going to question, there's no question. But it's like, 
we don't know what he was working on. There's so much national secrets that were protected. Like the people that he worked with didn't know what he was working on. Like there's already it's so much hard mystery. It's almost for us to speculate because to- that's just it. I'm like, you I don't- get what he was working on, but I don't get what he was working on because no. just saying he was working on the, spe- the speed of light and compression and time compression, you're like, okay, I don't know anything about that. And it's almost hard for me to imagine why. Yeah why it would be top secret, but of course it would be worth more than any human's life to totally. know those things. Totally. But also he strikes me as a guy that you could kill and he was not going to tell you how it worked. Yeah. Or he maybe not wasn't able to tell you how it worked. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that is the story. That is a wonderfully tragic story. So strange, like, right? So strange. And it reminds me of... um. The um, metal mask guys, the iron mm-hmm. mask, the guys. iron masks, right? Yeah, it's totally a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. Wow! Thank you for telling that story. You're welcome. You're welcome to me. What can I say except you're, you're welcome. welcome? Oh wait, we have to do love you all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Do I stop it? Yeah, press the stop and then let me. Bye.